Well, good morning. I know I've said that already, but I'm telling you, whew, it's been a good day already. First service, uh, first service worship, just the spirit was working in there. I sit down front, and Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Morrison leaned over to me and said, if you can't get up there and preach, y'all get up there and do it. Uh, but there was no problem whatsoever. Same thing for this service. Uh, again, we're, we're, I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. Any opportunity I get to come and just share some things God's you know, showing me, God's doing in my life and, and, and praying as we seek what the will of God is for our church. How many of y'all have ever watched wrestling? Y'all know, okay, and let me, let me clarify a little bit. I'm not talking about like the sport of the Olympic sport or the school sport. I'm talking like wrestling. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like WWE, it used to be WWF when I was, uh, when I was little. And so I remember growing up watching some of that. And, you know, I remember the older ones, okay? And now when I say older, some of y'all are going to be like, mm-mm, Henry. But I mean, I'm talking about late 80s, early 90s type thing. Uh, and and, and that, that was the older ones for me. Um, but, you know, when you're little, you see those things, and you just believe that all of it's true, right? I mean, you, you, I'm sitting there as a little kid. You're, I'm wondering, like, oh, my goodness, how in the world can he fall from 15 feet off that ladder and still get up and keep going? He must be Superman or something's going on. I don't get it. I don't know. Did you see that chair that just took over the head? He's bleeding. He's going to bleed out. Somebody stop it. He's going, oh, my goodness, it's going to die. I was little. 13, 14, I mean, come on. You just believe these things. But we, we, have, so, we have this idea in, in society today of what is truth, and we don't really understand what reality is. That's because so many things have completely taken our mindset and twisted of what reality is. You watch any movie today. You ever watch those movies, and you're just like, I can't watch this anymore because that is not how reality actually works like, seriously, no, they don't, no, no, he doesn't get the girl all the time. No, that doesn't happen. No, he should be dead, okay? Why is he not dead yet? I don't get it. But we just can't, we can't, we can't get it because we have this, this skewed view of reality. And what has happened is that idea, that mindset, I believe, has, has worked its way into every fiber of our life to where now even the concept of what is really true has been twisted. And I want to share today as we continue looking at this idea of different, as we keep looking at the idea of what God has called every single one of us to do, we are called to be different for Jesus Christ in this world. And it's got to start with a desire of a, and a devotion within that. And that if you could actually define that idea of devotion, if you look at the definition of worship, that, that is included within that. Worship is not singing songs on Sunday morning or, or hearing, going to the Bible. Worship is simply this, regarding something with such high esteem that you adore it, you love it, and you devote everything to it. You devote time, you devote energy, you may devote resources, you may devote finances. And so every single one of us are worshiping something. And God is calling us to worship something different. And what we have to understand, though, is what the world wants to do, it wants to kind of skew our idea of what is truly worship and what is, what is truly worthy of our worship. 
And the world comes in and the world says, you know, if, if you've ever talked with anybody about your faith, and students, if you haven't had a chance to do this, you're going, you're going to walk into this situation at some point. Adults, we're going to walk into it probably almost every day as we walk into our work, uh, into our, even into our families, as we have to ask, you know, what is truth? And we believe that truth is found in the good news of Jesus Christ, but there's this mindset that is growing, that is working within the, the, the society in the culture of America today that says what you, is, what, what you believe is true but what I believe is true even if they're different. Something can be true for you but it's not true for me and something that's true for me doesn't have to be true for you and that's okay because we're both true. What? I don't, I, and, we, and we've lost the idea of even an absolute truth. And accord, before, before we can understand, what is this truth? Because according to this passage in John chapter 8, we understand that the truth is what sets us free. And so what is this truth? Before we can really address that real quick, I want us to look for a second at even the concept of what truth is because we have to have this nailed down before we try to do anything. And so first couple things about truth. Truth is true. Absolute truth is true regardless of the person that says it, the place that it is set in, or the time in which it is stated. See, we, uh, the, the society today wants to say, well, you know, what worked back then doesn't work right now, and so therefore it's not true. No, absolute truth is true no matter, no matter when, where, or who said it. See, two plus two equals what? Four. Some of you went five, and I'll t recommend a good teacher to you somewhere. Not me, trust me. I, you'll see in a minute. I, I, I gotta have, I've got to have... Uh, visions, uh, vi visuals, because mm -mm, and, uh, I used to be great at math, and it is all dumped, I've found out. But two plus two equals four, no matter when it is stated, no matter who states it, or no matter what culture. You take two people and add two people to the group, you have four people now, no matter what. You take two sandwiches, and you add two sandwiches into, you have a buffet now, and it is exciting, and it is awesome, but there's four sandwiches. I don't know what anybody else is going to eat once I get off this fast, because you bring two sandwiches, and somebody else, I'm taking all four of them. I'm just telling you right now, I'm running. <laughs> but two, two like a, a basic, and we, a basic understanding of truth, no matter when, it, it's true, Regardless who said it, where it was said, or when it was said. And so it doesn't matter that even we, we think we discover or we think we, that we create or invent new truth. But an absolute truth is timeless. And so it's not that we're inventing new truths. We're discovering new truth. Gravity was around before Newton dis discovered it before he came up with the idea of gravity. It wasn't one of those things we were all kind of like swimming through the air like we're in outer space. And all of a sudden, Newton goes, wait a minute. This is kind of weird. This is kind of cool, but weird. Let's talk about what is this gravity? And all of a sudden, people fall flat on their faces. It didn't happen that way. It's just that they discovered it, but it didn't change any truth within that. It didn't change any truth. The earth was flat. They believed for the longest time the earth was flat. And then finally they came to the understanding, no, it's not fat. It's not, it's fat. Uh, well, whew. 
I'm very careful how I say that. Uh, the world, it's not flat. It's round. It wasn't one of those things that when they discovered that truth that the, the earth was a disc and all of a sudden, a ball. No, it was there already. It was absolute. It was true regardless of when, where, or how they came about understanding that and knowing that. You see, we have to understand a couple things about truth, that, that someone can sincerely believe that something is true, but that doesn't determine, it doesn't determine whether or not it's true. You can sincerely believe 2 plus 2 equals 37. And believe in your, I mean, I'm talking like, like I'm going to write a book, I'm going to, no, but it's still going, it's not going to be true. See, truth is solid it's foundational someone can sincerely believe something to be true but that that only makes that person sincerely mistaken the world doesn't like to hear that right now the world is getting we you, you tell someone they're wrong you're going to you're you're stirring up something that you, we I don't think Christian Christians are are truly ready to to deal with when we need to be because we need to be set free and we're set free by knowing truth. And an arrogant person, another thing about truth, an arrogant person doesn't make the truth he professes false. We hear someone come out and they're very prideful. They boast truth and they say it in such a prideful way that it's like they came up or they, they invented it or they came up with this truth. And they come out two plus two equals four. And they say it in such a way that you just hate, you, you, can't, you can't stand someone that's like that, someone that's arrogant. But that doesn't make it false. His attitude doesn't, and just like a humble person doesn't make an error that they profess true. So it's not based on our, it's not based on our personality or, or, or our character. And even some of those, even some truths that many people would say are relative when we dig down deep, they are actually absolute. I can sit here and say, I feel hot in this worship center. Not that I am hot. My wife thinks I am, but she's not in here. That's why I can say that. She's, yeah. But the statement, you, you say, well, Henry, you, you just said it right yourself. You said you feel. And so, therefore, that makes that, that's not really an absolute truth. No, it is absolutely true that I feel hot. It is absolutely, it is, that's an absolute truth regardless. And so it gets, this, this idea of truth can kind of get confusing if we're not careful. And, but Jesus is saying, stay with me, walk with me in this. And we have people in John chapter 8, if you haven't turned there by now, go ahead and turn there. Go ahead and open it up on your Bible app or anything like that. Whatever. I just want you to understand and see the word that God is calling us to walk. Because people in this day, they thought that they knew truth and they thought that they were free, but they didn't understand the level of freedom God was calling them to. John chapter 8, verse 31, just want to read through this again. I'm going to read a little bit further. It says, verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you Free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. 
How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains in the house forever. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free Indeed. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, God, that you again, you would just set us free through the power of your word as we understand this. God, may we not, may we not wrestle, may we not fight back, God, but may we just surrender to the greatest truth, and that is that you are truth. And when we trust in you, you set us free. God, you don't just set us free from eternity, uh, in, in eternity separated from you. God, you set us free to walk, God, to run, to live this life in honoring and for the glory of your name. So, God, I pray that you would receive that glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a couple of things we have to look because we have to understand the level of understanding. Our level of our understanding for this freedom is deter helps determine our level of motion. And guys, we as a staff, we as leaders in this church, we want every single follower of Jesus to be running with the greatest motion, with the greatest effort, with, the, with unhindered from anything, declaring the good news. Students, I pray every day and I ask that God would do something great that you would to run for Jesus. Small groups, I pray that you would understand and you would run in freedom. But we have to understand where that freedom comes. And so we look in verse 31 and we find a progression of thought here. One of those things that if this is true, then this is going to be true. And if that is true, then this is going to be true. And if that is true, then this is going to be true. And so we see what that looks like in verse 31. It says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. What does it mean to abide in his word? It means to focus. It goes back to what Pastor Toby preached on the very first Sunday in this series when he said there's a devotion for understanding who Jesus is and what he has done that stirs within us to go and to run and to live for him. If we abide, if we stay, if we allow his word to transform, Form us, and that devotion leads us into walking as a disciple. And here's the thing the next thing, though, you have to understand if you are his disciple, you will know truth. So, abiding in his word is one of the fruits, is one of the evidence that declares us to be his disciples. And if we're one of his disciples because we're abiding in his word, then we come to know truth. And what that truth does, though, is sets us free, and the truth will set you free. Ultimately, we got A equals B, B equals C, C equals D, so therefore, A equals D. Ultimately, it means if you abide in his word, you are free. Now, here's the problem. If we're not careful, we're looking to find our freedom in so many other things. And we're realizing we are in bondage. We realize, I think so many of us realize, and we, if we're to get honest and get down deep and say, yeah, Henry, I am. 
I am wrestling with this. God, I, I'm, I'm struggling in my walk. I'm struggling in my relationship. I'm struggling. In, and and I, I got this bondage that I just can't break, break free from. And maybe, maybe it's a sin in your life. Maybe there's a, a personal area that nobody else knows about. But you just look and you know every time you try to come and try to walk in freedom that you're in bondage. How do, we, how do we be set free? By knowing the truth. And the truth is, guys, that Jesus Christ has already paid every penalty for those sins. Jesus Christ has already declared you righteous in his, uh, according to his good work, according to what he has done. And therefore, you are free. And you know what that means for you? That means you can walk in this freedom now. That means you can go to work. If you're one of his disciples, if you're abiding in his word, making you and, and, and growing as a disciple of his, coming to know truth, that means you can walk in freedom. But the level of our and the level of our motion, the level of our of our walking in that is determined and, and depends on the level of our understanding of what that freedom really has brought us to. And if we were to get honest, there's so many of us that we have fears. We come in, we come in to the worship service and we're, we're just not sure. God, I'm not, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure about the lifting my hands. I'm not sure. God, I, I'm, I'm worried about what people may think. I, I, you know, I, God, I, I, if, if I read my Bible at work or if I read my Bible at school or if I bring it, somebody may say something to me. I'm just, I'm just not sure. And what we're doing is we're abiding in something other than the truth of what Jesus has done. And Jesus says, that is not, that is not what I wanted for you. That is not what I desired for you. Some of us may be coming and we may not feel free and we say, God, I just, I just, I just can't walk in freedom because I don't feel free. The greatest part about this is it's not based on what we feel or what we believe. It's based on the truth, which is Jesus Christ. You look in John chapter 17, it says, your word is truth. And what does John chapter 1 say about his word? That Jesus is the word, so therefore Jesus is truth. And therefore, according to this passage, Jesus sets you free. And you are free. Are we willing to walk in it, though? Or, are we, are we kinda, or can we be kind of like the religious leaders of the time when verse 33 it said they answered him we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone stop right there for a second hang on I, I was at I, me, and, me and the family we were out uh, this week uh, getting something to eat and we um, anybody ever anybody who in here has an iPhone Okay, who in here has an iPhone? Raise your hand. Raise it proudly, because there you go. All right, they, they'll, they'll tell you, they, thank you, Steve. Steve is, Steve is my Apple buddy. Steve, Steve, is my, Steve Gilbert's my Apple buddy. Uh, they, have deter, they have labeled me an Apple snob. I'll just tell you right now, if you ask me what, I'm, I've, I've got, an, I got an iPad, got an iPhone, I just got uh, an Apple watch. The only reason I got that was I, I'm a bargain shopper. I'm going to go on Best Buy and wait for somebody to return something, and they mark it down like 150 
$50. And I'm like, okay, that, that, that's where I'm getting one of those. Like, but, uh, but you can use, on the, on the iPhone, uh, they have the thing called the Apple Pay. Has anybody ever seen the Apple Pay? Anybody ever heard of that? Where you can store, you can store a, a debit card or a credit card or something. I, I got my debit card on there. Or you can go and basically, instead of swiping your card, you just pull your phone out and you just touch your phone to it and it like sinks. And now some people are like, that's up the devil, that's crazy. I, I, I'm, they probably got my, they've already got all my information, so I'm like, you know, they're coming to get me no matter what, probably. But, uh, but I, I did. I took it out, and so I'm paying for, I'm paying for dinner. And I just take it out and I touch it, and the guy goes, "Dude, that's so cool." I'm like, tonight, just an iPhone. He's like, I got one of those. He's like, I said, I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I've, I've used it a couple times before on my phone. I said, I, I've, I've had my watch alert me that you can do it from your watch even. And that's just like another level of weird and, and crazy and like, you know, like I said, just watching. But, it, but the guy looks at me and he's like, yeah, I've heard about those watches. But you know what? I just don't know about the radiation that it pumps through one of your main arteries. And so I don't know if I want to get one. <laughs> I... I really tried to stop. I promise I tried to stop, but I looked right at him and went. <laughs> Radiation vein, got it. Okay, thank you. And I just walked off. I, it was one of those things I wasn't trying to be. I, I promise I wasn't trying to be mean. But I did. I looked at him like, huh? <laughs> Radiation. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to ask him, do you have a microwave? I mean, I mean. <laughs> Seriously, and, and uh, you know, don't get me, I, I don't want to get into the, the health debate. I got, I got relatives that they don't have a microwave, they don't have any of that. I'm, I'm going to be happy when I die. That's all I'm going to say. And, you know, a hot pocket in the microwave for about two makes me happy. So, <laughs> but I gave them that look like, and I, I can't help but think that when, when Jesus said this, he said, he said, you shall know truth, and the truth will set you free, which he is implying that they are not free. It said he, it will set you free. And they respond by saying, we've never been enslaved. I can't help but think Jesus just looked at them and went, huh? Well, let's, let's go back to uh, after Abraham, after God promised the nation of Abraham, because that's who they said. We're people. We're sons of Abraham. We're people of Abraham. What does he say? Well, there was this place called Egypt. Heard of it? Okay. Four, 400 years. You read the book of Judges. There were seven major nations that, that enslaved, that came and put and took all the people into into slavery. Seven major nations in 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 judges. You got the ten northern tribes when the kingdom divided that were carried off by Assyria, and then you got the two lower, the two southern tribes that were carried off into seventy years of exile. No, you've never been enslaved. What is wrong with me? Oh, stupid me. I'm just going to leave this here. I'm going to walk off on this, guys. You're right. I mean, seriously, what is, what is wrong? They were, they thought they were free, but they had no, they didn't understand what it meant to be free. And Jesus says, stick with me, because I, I want to tell you what freedom is. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, let me, stick with me, because I want, I want you to understand what Jesus, what Jesus has done, and how it sets us free. Jesus answered them, verse 34, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Everybody just say free for me. One more time. Say free for me. You have been set free according to to the good news of Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe, one of the, uh, 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 an expositor, a commentator on, on the Bible, said that the, the concept and the battle between freedom and bondage is found by answering the question, are you a son or are you a servant? Are you a son? Are you a child of God or are you still a servant? And here's the thing, you can be a servant to a lot of things, including a religion. You can, be a, you can be a slave and a servant to religion. Jesus isn't about a religion. He's about a relationship. And he is calling every single one of us to walk more and more each day in freedom. See, we have to understand what Jesus has done. Out of the four major world religions, there's four major world religions based upon a founder. That means they've been, they've been set aside, they've been given a founder. There are others out there that have uh, a system of beliefs, but there's no like one person that they look back to, that they keep going back to. Of the four major world religions based upon a founder as opposed to a system of ideas, only Christianity, only being a follower of Jesus Christ. In the, in the New Testament, they only followers of the way claims that the tomb of its founder is empty. You see, Judaism, they look back to Abraham who died almost 4,000 years ago and, still, and they still care for his grave as a holy site at Hebron. Thousands, of, thousands visit Buddha's tomb in India every year. Islam's founder, Muhammad, died on June 8th, 632, and his tomb in Medina is visited by millions of people every year. But guess what? There is no grave for us to visit. There is no body for us to go. There is no, why? Because Jesus is truth. And we have to understand that because if you take Jesus out of Christianity, it's going to crumble. It's going to fall. C.S. Lewis, a theologian, one of the great theologians in, our, uh, in, in the last century, declared, declared that he was brought in by professors at one of the major universities. And he declared, he was asked by professors saying, hey, what is different between all these religions? And they had hundreds of religions listed on this board with Christianity there in the middle. And C.S. Lewis came in and he just looked at it for a second. And he said that simple one word, grace. And see, a system of belief doesn't offer grace. A person offers grace. And the only person that can offer grace is a person that still has life to offer it. You see, if Jesus is still dead, then there's so many things that we, that we can't, that we have to wrestle with, we have to look at. But here's the other thing. Bring up that, that number for me, Hannah, if you would. Because, and I want you to know, this was not your odds for winning the Powerball last week. Um, you actually had better odds uh, than this. This is a one to one out of ten to the seventeenth power. Okay, uh, so you're looking at hundreds, thousands, millions, billions, right? Okay. Trillions, quadrillions. I skipped one of those in the first service, so I just want to make sure I got that. You've got ten to the seventeenth power. 
one out of 100 quadrillion. That's the chances for what I'm about getting ready to say. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible that prophesy that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. Or that prophesy about the Messiah. And the odds of Jesus fulfilling those are crazy. Now, I would tell you that this number is actually not even the odds for Jesus fulfilling all over 300 prophecies. This odd, this chance is for him just to fulfill eight of those. I heard it said one time that this is basically the same odds would be if you were to take the state of Texas, lay it out flat, put quarters on it about, about knee deep or so, and throw one, take one of those quarters, mark an X on it, throw it out there in the middle of the state, blindfold yourself, walk out there just randomly, reach down, and that's the odds of you picking up that quarter. And the same odds are the odds of Jesus fulfilling eight of those. And guess what? We have, we have truth. We have evidence. We have proof that he didn't just fulfill eight, that we can believe and trust that he fulfilled every single one of them. And let me tell you something. If Jesus is big enough to fulfill over 300 and overcome those odds, then guess what? He is big enough to set you free and to walk in freedom. So if you're a stats person, if you're just not sure on this idea of completely giving in and surrendering and walking with Jesus because you're just not sure, know that there is no number that you could put to the fact that Jesus really did do what he said he did. He is who he says he is in the Bible. And if he came, just the idea, just the concept of him raising from, being raised from the dead, if God has power, has enough power to do that, then I think he has enough power to let us walk in freedom every day, trusting in him, because there's no one that's going to defeat those odds greater than what Jesus has done. And so Jesus sets you free. If Jesus is dead, though, how can we account for his own mother and brothers worshiping him as God? You may say, you know what? I, I want to believe. I'm just not sure. I'm just not, under, I'm just not quite on it. We know that truth sets us free. We know that his word is truth, and we know that Jesus is the word, so Jesus sets us free. So it ultimately comes down to not whether you believe a fact, it's do you believe a person. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? And I understand, I want you to know, I pray, there are days when I pray just as, just as the people, the followers. I say, God, help my unbelief. As the father who brought his son to be healed. God, I believe, help my unbelief. There are those days, and we will walk in those days. But you can be set free. Because if Jesus is dead, then how can we account for his own mother's and mother and brothers worshiping him as God? If Jesus is dead, how can we account for the fact that his followers remain loyal to him after his death? They, they could have easily just said, you know what, dang it, I thought this was the one. He's dead, I'm done, I quit. But no, they stayed with it. If Jesus is dead, how do we explain the conversion of his most bitter enemies like Saul who became Paul? Let me tell you, if there was ever anyone that was determined at not believing and trusting in Jesus, it was Saul. And yet somehow 
He is one of the greatest voices. And if Jesus is dead, how can we explain the, the, the disciples suffering and dying brutal deaths for Jesus without one of them ever recanting? That's freedom. The disciples walked in freedom that said, I don't care if things are going great, I'm free. I don't care if things are going bad, I'm free. I don't care if my life is on the line, I'm free. And every single one of us, I want you to understand, you are free in Jesus Christ when you follow and trust in him. So my challenge to you is not be set free, it's walk in your freedom. Walk as a son, as a daughter of the one who gave his life so that you could go into your schools, students, and declare the good news of Jesus Christ. You can go and you can show love. You can show kindness. You can show not a selfish motivation, but a, simple, a simply selfless motivation because Jesus has already portrayed it for you. Adults, parents, we can model that. We can show what that looks like as we go into our workplaces, as we go and we show kindness and we show a servant's heart and we show the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to show the love of God before we have the opportunity to share the love of God. And people are waiting for us to show it. But the only way we're going to show it, if, if, if he has put within us a desire to devote our lives to him, if, he is, if, if, if that devotion is going to lead us to walking in that, free, to walking in that, in that life and in that devotion and put our faith into motion, then our motion has to be depending on the level of freedom that we, that we declare. That we declare to be true in our lives. Students, adults, kids, I don't, whatever age group, you're free because Jesus has set you free. Even if, and I want you to understand, there's going to be days when you walk in to the living room with your family and you honestly, you don't live in, free, you don't live in that freedom. We don't walk in that freedom. We allow the enemy to come and steal that joy, and we allow the enemy to come and start twisting and reminding us that, that, that Jesus doesn't matter. It's, it's us being right is what matters. Jesus doesn't matter as much as us getting what we want matters. Jesus doesn't matter as much as having that friendship or that relationship. Jesus doesn't matter as much as being dependent on that addiction let me tell you, Jesus matters because Jesus is the only thing that sets you free from it. So as the band comes and we enter back into just another, another expression of our worship, I want to challenge you with one thing in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, we find, we find Paul talking to the people in Athens. And we find him in, in Acts chapter 17, verse thir verses 22, it says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, st standing uh, in the midst of the leaders of, of Athens, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, 
of your devotion, of your love, the objects of your love, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, what therefore you worship in un- as unknown, this I proclaim to you. You see, Paul said easily, he said, the people of Athens were trying to find that freedom. But they were looking at every which way. Greek mythology, you study Greek mythology, you find there are thousands of gods. And they set up this altar that said to the unknown God so that when, when, the, when, when a God came along that they didn't know about and started punishing them for not worshiping, he, they could easily say, hey, hey, well, time out. We knew, we, we were worshiping you all along. We just didn't know who you were. But it, it really, when you look at it, it's hoping to find freedom. Paul says, let me tell you about the God who sets you free. Not the feeling that sets you free. Not the, not the belief. Even, you know, understand. Remember, truth is not based on how sincere we believe. Truth is based on the person of Jesus Christ. And that does not change yesterday, today, or forevermore. And this is the God that he declares. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Realize the Greek mythology, the Greeks believed that their gods, they were dependent on their gods, but their gods were dependent on them as well. And their worship fed the gods hoping that the gods would bless them in return. Paul is saying, no, let me, the God of heaven, he set you free. He gave you life. He's the one that breathes that, that, that breathe life into you since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should see. Here's what God wants. Here's what God desires. If you're desiring freedom, then Christ is calling you right now today. He's saying, I've got it. I am this God. This God, the only thing that can set you free. You're trusting in this. You're trusting in that. I am the God. I'm the God. I don't need worship. I want worship. I don't have to have you, but I want you. I yearn. I love you. That they may, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards Him and find Him. But here's the greatest truth is that He is not actually not far from each of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Being God's offspring, we ought not think that the divine beings in the gold or silver or stone in an image formed by the art of an imagination of man. Times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent and to return. Guys, I want you to understand those things that you're trying, that you're hoping is true, those things that you're declaring and hoping will find us freedom, unless it's Jesus Christ, it's not going to work. 
And I say that so hoping that you can see that Jesus is so much more. He's so much more than a friendship. He's so much more than a relationship. He's so much more than a career. He's so much more than a lottery ticket. He's so much more than than an addiction. He's so much more than a family. He's so much more. And if Christ has set you free, then you are free. Say that with me. You are free. One more time. You are free. Are you living in freedom today? Are you walking in freedom of what God has done in your life? I'm going to ask every one of us to stand right now and to declare that freedom and ask if you have not put your faith. Maybe you have never trusted in Him. He is the the only way. He is the only life. He is the truth. And you come to the Father. You come to freedom through Him. And you simply say, with heads bowed, eyes closed, if God is pulling and drawing at your heart to come into His family, to put your faith in Him, you simply pray a prayer that resembles something like this. I don't, I don't, say, I, I don't want to lead you in prayer. I want the Spirit to do that. I want the Spirit to work in you. If the Spirit is drawing you, He's going to give you the words. He's going to show things that you may confess specifically. But it simply includes the, the, the belief of confessing our sin. You've got to admit that you're wrong. We've got to admit that it's not about us. We've got to admit that we messed up. We confess our sins. We believe that he has done what he said he did, that he is Lord. We ask for forgiveness and we surrender our lives. You can simply, like I said, you can say, God, I'm sorry. I thank you for what you've done. Please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. I want to walk with you. Lead me in motion in this relationship now. But we're only going to walk in a greater understanding as we come to understand what freedom is about. So many of us, we've trusted in His faith. We've trusted in that freedom. And so I'm asking you right now to declare and to pray and to declare to to our God and to declare to the enemy that wants to hold you back, that wants to feed you lies and say, I am free in Jesus today. I invite you to search your hearts and say, God, Am I really walking in freedom? Am I really trusting? Ask Him, God, God, where am I not walking in freedom? Am I following? Am I trusting? Am I believing? Maybe it's an area of your family. You're not walking in freedom with Christ as you lead your family. Men, let me tell you, God has called us to lead in freedom. Whether you have a family, you're going to have a family. Wherever you're at, husbands, wives, we, we're called to walk in freedom as we relate to one another. That means looking to Jesus, trusting in Him. Employer, is, if you're in, you're in that secular job where it just seems rough, know that ultimately you are free. And so that, you know what that means? That means you can freely serve. And declare and show that freedom. Whatever that looks like, I'm inviting you to, to make that to make that response. To let go and be free. 
Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would set people free. If it's an area of sin, if it's an area of addiction, if it's an area of pride, if it's an area of trusting and surrendering our lives and salvation, God, whatever that looks like, I'm asking and praying and trusting that you're going to do it in their hearts, that you're going to continue working in them. God, if they are not, if they're not quite at that point, God, don't let them go. There's pride fighting within that. There's, there's uncertainty. There's fear. God, as a loving father, walk beside them and draw them into your family. Draw your children into alignment, into joy, into freedom. God, may that be declared not just this morning as we sing, as we, as we hear your word, as we give financially. God, may that be declared every day throughout our lives trusting in you. We love you. We praise you. We ask that you would receive this offering. You would bless it. You would bless this church. We ask freedom to be declared over Smoke Rise Baptist Church. Thank you that you're a good God. We trust in you. We walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, you respond.